Welcome to another episode of the Sawdust and Fire podcast. We are your host. I am Hunter Johnson. And I'm Thomas Baldridge. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. We've got a good one coming for you this week. Um, Schedules have been crazy for Adam and myself with work and travel. Um, Adam had a family vacation thrown in there, but but we are getting back into the the swing of things and the grinding when it comes to podcasting, guys. So appreciate it. Um, and there's a lot that's happening. My goodness, it's it's the middle of September. Um, it feels like the summer has come and gone. Um, we've got cool temperatures, or or, or just slightly below um, average temperatures in the forecast. And this week, later this week. Missouri's bow season opens up. We're we're shooting for September fifteenth here, and there's a lot of other people, a lot of other states that have opened up or are soon to be as well. So crazy exciting time for everyone out um, who loves the land, who loves to hunt and manage the land. So guys, make sure when you're out there, be safe, um, be smart, and um, best wishes to you. I'm I'm hope for a great season, but. Before we jump into today's podcast, we're going to give a quick shout out to Onyx. Guys, if you aren't utilizing Onyx, um, you need to get in in a part of that app. I suggest you sign up for the Elite membership as well. There's a lot of extra goodies and benefits of being part of the Elite package. Um, and, and the amount of time that we utilize this tool, build reports on this tool, um, use it in the field and in the office desktop version and the app version. Um, you guys need to be utilizing it yourself to take advantage of those uh, all that, that handheld information about the land. So when you do, make sure you use Legacy20 as a discount code off your elite membership opportunities. Okay, on this week's podcast, I've got Land Legacy Consultant Brady Bradley on the phone with me. Brady, how are you doing this evening? Matt, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Always a pleasure to jump on here and yes, talk sir. later. Yes, sir. I know it, man. It's uh, it, it's it's wild. We were we had a, a big project in late July. And you remember how hot it was those couple of days when we were in the field in central Missouri and we were dreaming of weather like we're actually now yes. having. I mean, it was it was a hundred plus muggy as all get yeah. out. <laughs> and like honestly it feels like that was two weeks ago. And it's been oh, no. yeah. it's been six weeks probably. Yeah, and I'm like, Oh just my flown by. gosh, man. It I mean, it has flown by. Season's opening this weekend and I mean I feel like you know, I feel like this is happening more and more nowadays, but every time season rolls around, I feel like I'm that, you know, more behind than I was the year before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's like when when will when will that point in life where time um when when will I actually just kinda like catch up and be like, Okay, I've got my ducks in a row, there's the organization yes. I've been dreaming of having and going into <laughs> season. Um I I'm actually a little little surprised and I and, that's a, that's a good topic to talk about for just a, a quick hot minute. Is I'm a little bit more surprised at myself this year with as crazy busy as the summer has been. Um, 
of how prepared I guess that I am. There's some things that sure that aren't a hundred percent and tweaked and ready and rock and rolling. However, um, I am doing way better and feeling going into this season than, than I really have ever before. And I'm going to attribute it to two things. Um, number one is a, a larger perennial food resource that does great in the heat and the drought. And that's the alfalfa field behind the house. It's mm-hmm. kind I mean, b- beyond one herbicide application to remove grasses and broadleaves, it's rocking and rolling and just kind of cruise control. It's just doing its thing. Sure, yeah. would I like some more rain on it? Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's doing the best that it can. We're getting lots of dews in the morning. Um, last week, got, we got some rain. We've got two to three tenths hopefully coming um, Monday into Tuesday. And it's like, I, I mean... I don't really have to do all that much in a preparation standpoint. So it's not like I'm um, not picking on you, but like having to wait for rain to seed, right? Like it's like they're already coming here. They're already doing it. So that's really good. And and kind of like this, a little bit of peace of mind, right? Um, Absolutely. The other thing is moving and switching um, leases too. Now I've leased a neighboring parcel. Um, and so like if I need to go and, you know, do, do something that would take 20, 30 minutes, I can run over and do that really fast and get back to the house and, and like not be gone. Like I don't have to like batch up a bunch of work and then drive an hour to someplace or, or 20, 30 minutes where it's like, it's not, it's not really feasible to go there and do like a 20 minute job for that. Right. Um, so that part has also been really nice. So at the end of the day, um, both things revolve around time, right? Both things absolutely are, are all about those time savers so that you can be a little bit more ready. Um, you can be a little bit more prepared for season if you don't have to travel as far, if it's convenient. Um, and then also having a little bit of a, uh, a plan B, something to back you up because that's the biggest variable that, that we don't have control over is um, we hardly have control over our time, but then uh, we don't have control over the weather, right? Absolutely. It is yeah. what it is. You're going to get the cards that you're handed and, and um, rain or no rain, dues or no dues, it is what it is. And so it's like, this is the best opportunity going into season. So I'm what's going to bank on that. And, and, <laughs> and it's working. So that, that's a good, good aspect of things. For you, it's great this year. You know, you've got you've got your your home farm right there, and that you've you've hunted it now for a few years, and then you've got the farm right down the road. You necessarily hadn't hadn't been able to hunt it in the past, so right, you're right. kind of getting the best of both worlds. You got one year, you've already got some history with. You know what to kind of what to expect. Yep. And then you've got a new one that you get to experiment with. That's right. And that, those are always fun. No doubt. No doubt. Um, there's a little bit. Uh, you know lack of lack of control this this first year on on the lease yeah. side is going to be um just kind of sitting back observing and watching um, oh yeah but at the end of the day man there's some there's some awesome opportunities with it but i'm just excited to kind of learn and watch a new piece um and kind of yes. see how it develops throughout the fall see the patterns see yeah. the shifts see the the utilization of kind of if you will undisturbed 
for a season and then uh, hopefully some more manipulation um, in, in the seasons to follow here based on the observations, though, that happen this fall. Uh, and I, I think right. that's super important. I'm, I'm a go-getter, boots on the ground, let's get after it. And you can make some mm-hmm. really good changes um, on a farm without having hunted it. I mean, the, you know, topography oh, yeah. is X. This is the resources. We know what to do. But if you do have a year or two where you can just sit back and, and be very observant, that's also helpful. Very helpful. Yeah, I, I, that happened to me last year. I, I started hunting a new farm, and obviously, you know, looking at it, placing stands the very first year, my kind of mindset was how can I – obviously, you want to be in a good spot. You can look at it and find a good spot. But yep. I wanted to be able to see a lot of that farm very – little intrusion and just kind of learning that farm last year and this year it's completely different you know we've been able to move stands around put blinds in better places mm-hmm. you know maybe put some food plots somewhere else where the deer congregate a little bit more so so yeah that's i love it's, it it's always yeah it's i'm looking forward to it for I'm sure really looking forward to it for sure um Hopefully, hopefully everyone, you know, read the title and was like, ooh, that's very interesting. I haven't thought about, yeah. you know, things in that manner before. Uh, but but I got I to gotta dig in and, and really see what those see what those crazy knuckleheads are, are talking about when they say, <laughs> you know, 5% of the farm um, being huntable. And, you know, Brady, we, we've been in the field a lot together um, and, and been able to share thoughts and conversations um, a lot of miles on, on the boot leather, uh, walking and talking hunting strategy with various clients and various yes. and, uh, you know locations across the country from Ohio to um, Missouri and a lot of things in between. Um, one thing that that stays the same, I believe, is it's pretty quickly as you begin touring a farm that you start to weed out the ideas that you have when you just looked at a farm aerial, right? Yes. Yeah. We, we review and like, and like, okay, like, you know, there, there was a plug for Onyx, right? Earlier in the podcast, we literally review whether we're in the truck going to the farm um, maps ahead of time, and we, we begin, as we're looking at that 30,000-foot view, um, to develop those preconceived notions of what we're going to expect. And and you can start to paint this picture in your head of, oh, yeah, like, we could hunt there. Well, shoot, yeah. we could hunt there, 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 there. And you start to try and fit together this this strategy, develop a strategy before you've even seen the place. And I'm not saying that that's wrong at all. I, th- I think that's actually a very good approach because it begins to stretch your mind um, and and make connections with the raw pieces of a farm, right? Like you don't have the details to be able to provide you um, additional insight, right? So like you're strictly looking at, okay, that's X elevation. This is that uh, terrain feature. This is wooded. That's open. 
deer should probably react like X. So therefore, I can approach here, hunt this around this time frame of a year because of these resources I should be finding, right? Like those yeah. are the thought processes, the variables that really get thrown into those types of discussions, right? But like, I, I think it's, I think it's so important that we do that because, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we get to the farm and, and we already have those areas somewhat in mind mm-hmm. and maybe it be a landowner that's owned that farm for years and, you know, maybe they've never really looked, sat back and looked at an aerial photo. They were like, you know, and we'll say, hey, you know, what about this area over here? And they're like, hey, I always see deer coming out of there. Or, you know, that's always a good roost spot for turkeys. But mm-hmm. I've just always hunted over here because I see deer. But they may be off in the distance, you know, so having that that knowledge beforehand allows us to go into it uh, more ready. Yeah. Um, and, and help the landowner out um, in an area they may not even know that they, you know, that they needed. That's right. That's right, for sure. Um, and, and I, I mean, I, I really, I, I love that exercise, if you will, um, the, the planning type exercise. And honestly, I think everyone easily relates to that too. Like yes. we all can daydream about like, oh, what, what is this going to be? What's that going to be? Um, I, I know there's a lot of people probably looking at, um, shoot, because, I, I, man, I did this all the time, like going and looking at like Whitetail Properties um, website online, just start to scroll and look at farms and um, mm-hmm. back yeah. back when, when time was on your side. But but you could yeah. start to like look at the pictures and then start to start to, you know, begin to think about scenarios that you might encounter. Um, but But at the end of the day, we all we all do this and and typically we all have a lot of different spots in which we would begin to say uh i i can i can cover this farm with hunting opportunities i i mm-hmm. i can i can do this to get there i can do this to get in that corner and over here i can come in from here or do this and and you begin to really kind of mm-hmm. if you will fill the map with a lot of different stands um yes you you kind of like if you will, complete like a 360 around this, around this farm. And you really see, um, or, or I guess if you will try to just to get to a lot of places, right? hundred percent natural. Um, but let's just say for, for an, uh, an example, um, example scenario farm, we've got 300 acres that we're looking at. Um, and we can d- identify, you know, 10 to 12 spots on an aerial. That's like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. We need to go check that out. Uh, that net number is an absurd, you know, on, on a typical layout, right? Um, 10 to 12 spots is what would come up when we do that. Now, we go to the next step of things, the stage of things, where it's boots on the ground. This is where this yes. is where our preconceived notions really get tested. Um, and and I, I, w- I would say that going into this next step, is what a lot of people don't do. And I, what I'm going to say is we try and, if you will, debunk or break apart or pick apart those preconceived notions. Yeah. I really want to do it. I'm not talking like a scientific experiment, like here's the hypothesis of this form. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, not at all. But what I want to do is test it and really 
scenario-wise as we're walking, see if those 10 to 12 spots are actually huntable. Like, yeah, is the farm really going to operate like I envisioned it in the flow and the movement and the resources was the map out out of date? Did something change? Was um was there was there not nearly as much um white oak on the farm and a lot more other um beech, maple type scenarios that, that hardwood component had, was just was just very different from what I was expecting due to previous management. Um like when you when you really start to break it apart, like are you going back to that original plan and saying well, that's not going to work. Like, like, yeah. and, and and being okay with it. I mean, do do you feel like a lot of people do that, Brady? Because I I got to be honest with you, I feel like this is where this is like a, if you will, rubber meets the road of this is what doesn't really get perfected. No, I think you're right. I think you know a lot of people kind of like what I was going back to earlier. You know, a lot of people get those areas. They may see deer. They may see quite a few deer, but they may not see the deer. You know, yeah. or or have those um um what am i trying to say those scenarios to where they they're they're hunting that mat- that one mature deer mm-hmm. and they may be one ridge over yeah. compared to or one funnel over compared to where he likes to move or you know just just based off topography just like you said uh timber component there's so many different scenarios that goes into play and i can think of some properties that just you and i've been on to where you look at a map and you say, man, there's, there's at least 10 spots I'd like to hang a stand or, and then you go in there and you look and you're like, man, well, really there's only two or three out of those 10 that are really good. And for and various reasons, right? Like it, it various reasons. It, yeah. It, I mean, it could have been an access thing. Like we thought that like this road wasn't nearly exposed across the farm. Um, mm-hmm. Or perhaps when we were looking at that um, deal, we were like, we didn't, we didn't see or expect to be able to put a um, or, or or find that it was it wasn't necessary yet until we walked to put a bedding thicket in a specific area. Then that cut off access that we had originally yeah. planned on being able to utilize, um, and then then we didn't know that like oh that <laughs> that road system was really crummy, and we yeah. we either need to reinvest in that road system or we need to start from scratch and start building new roads. Well, when we build new roads, here we're here's where we can you know um, here's where we can go. Or maybe there's dramatic erosion problems, right? Exactly. Um, there's so many different uh, factors. So and, many. And getting boots on the ground and looking at those factors and taking each factor in and, and essentially running a list, you know, yes. you get to a spot that looks good, you know, does it meet all my criteria? Does it meet, um, you know, is access good, wind good, a lot, a lot, a lot, everything. If, if yes, then, hey, you know, this is probably a pretty good spot. But if, you you know, one or two is like, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's going to be tough access. Well, you know, let's 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 try to find something that's a little bit better. Yeah. Where you're hunting the same deer. I'm so glad you said criteria. Does it meet the criteria? Because that's essentially what it is that we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're going through a checklist of each location, and, and, I, and I don't want to think that people like, um, you know, from from a consulting standpoint, like we're we're only going ahead of time and looking at like trying to find 10 to 15 spots on a farm and then going from no. there. Like that's not that's not the approach but just from a hunting yeah. standpoint mentally that's what we're doing. But but as we're walking 
And as we're touring or as we're building out the plan, we all have a criteria list of, you know, within this region, right? Um, Yes. uh, uh, that, That has to be met for this to be a viable hunting location. I say regional spe- specifics because, um, you know, what what early season looks like in, in the south is different from early season in Minnesota. Um, Absolutely. And, and yeah. what winter looks like in Pennsylvania is dramatically different from what winter in southern Oklahoma looks like. And, and the regulations, uh, hunting regulations, the timing of seasons looks totally different. And then what deer do and how they respond in those certain states based on those regulations changes too. So I'm just saying like there's lots of variables and elements that we're all trying to fit within this criteria or that influence this criteria on a given farm. But we run, we run each area, right, um, through this criteria, and it's either a yes or a no the no's obviously get thrown out we can't hunt here and accept yeah. that this that and that's what i think a lot of people don't do is they say man i the deer are going to be here i need to figure out how to hunt it as opposed to knowing and being fine that deer are going to be there but realizing it's an unhuntable location don't force it yep. go elsewhere because because remember yeah. we got 10 or 10 or 12 other spots to go and, exactly. and being very comfortable and acknowledging that, like, some of those 10 to 12, like, we're going to find those ones where we can say yes. Um, so so immediately you go through, like, that checklist of, like, yes versus no. No's are thrown out. Then yes, if you will, kind of get into this um, poor, mediocre, good kind of, if you will, rough category in, 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 yeah. in someone's head um, of, okay, this is this is an approachable or an accessible location, but, but is it, is it dynamite knockdown drag out? Is it, yeah, deer are definitely going to move through here. It's probably going to be pretty good. And there might be a, a seasonality to that area. That's like, Oh, it's going to be super active during this oh. time frame, but then just like wane off and fall hard in in another. Um, or is it one where it's like, man, you can get here all day long. And this is a place that, you know, you got a doe group or two that walks through in a, in a, in a morning location, but like, you're not bumping anything. It's a great place to harvest some does. Um, it's not in the meat and potatoes of the farm. Like, yeah, cool. But you're probably just not going to encounter like that, that mature deer. I think everyone, everyone, every hunter who's got some experience under the belt probably can, can run through those scenarios and be like, man, I could, I could envision it happening here. Um, yeah. and you know, that, that's kind of like my, I guess where my brain goes, there's a hierarchy of those stands that, that get a yes, right. Throughout this entire touring. I, I can think of, you know, just for one property I hunt, I can think of, you know, we may have, I don't know, seven to eight sets on that farm, obviously for different times of the year. But out of those just seven or eight sets on that farm, what, what's acreage on that farm? If you don't mind, that yet. one's about that one's about the three fifty. Okay, seven or eight yeah. on three fifty. Got it. Yeah, that's that's just you know, hang on sets, and then we got yep. three box blinds. Okay, but obviously you know we hunt them different. Um, but I can think out of those stands, if you gave me the option to 
if you said you only had to keep two or three of these, I could probably easily tell you which ones I'm going to keep mm-hmm. because <clears throat> I may have hunted those other stands over time. And at the, you know, at the time they, they probably met most of the criteria, um, but they may not have met all of the criteria. And when you hunt them, you, you, you see why, yes. you know, maybe they are in a good area, but the deer are a hundred years or hundred yards that way. You know, they never seem to just, just come down that tree edge a little bit further, but why are they down there? I was about know? to say, Brady, you uh, have some really mature deer if they're a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm over here trying to get to to the four and a half, five and a half range. He's like, Dude, there's there's a hundred year old deer over here. <laughs> you wouldn't imagine that how hard how hard they are to kill. Oh, no yeah. doubt. They're old but, senile. But I think I think even everybody has that part of their farm. And I think, uh, you know, this is what some people struggle with the most is they have that part of their farm that they know it's just really good, but it may be access. You just can't get in there. Um, I know some, some stands that, you know, we've taken down that you just know if you set them, it's going to be great, Mm -hmm. but you can't get to them evening or morning without blowing out a big doe group or blowing out a bedded buck with a doe. Right. Um, they're just really hard. So sometimes you have to, you have to have that discipline to say, uh, eh, maybe I don't go off in there. Maybe hunt the fringes of that, figure out where they're using the outer edge of those units Yeah, or for those, sure. you know, those smaller areas. I think everybody can, or most avid hunters would be able to look at their farm and, and be able to say, no, that's not probably not the greatest spot. Yeah. Yep. But like you said, narrowing it down from 10 to two or three, I think, you know, it takes some thought. It takes that criteria, that list. of. I think it takes like, it takes a very defined criteria. Absolutely. Yes. Does this meet, does this meet the standards? And, and that's, you know, going back to like being critical about that um, and, and, and realizing that the goal isn't to hunt everywhere. The goal no. is not to chase deer, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, the goal is to find the places that a hunter can get to, can get out of, that deer frequently use. And yes. and so when that's the base criteria, and I mean at, at an elementary level, that's the base criteria, and then all the other factors in you know influence those. The, the predictability of it the, and the consistency of that um, in each stand. But when, when you're like extremely critical of that and, and stick to it, then you look at all your stands and, and do that reevaluation process. Everyone mm. can really look back and say, man, I got too many stands or, or I've got a yeah. lot of stands that like I yeah. haven't set, I haven't hunted, I haven't in years. Yeah. Yeah. I've I haven't it hasn't been necessary to go in there. I think I think that's another one too. Like and and so, you know, we, we work with a lot of different people. Brady, we work with people who, who are, are new landowners. We work with mm-hmm. um people who've who are have owned land for, for several years. And we also work with a lot of veteran landowners who have at this for years. Um and so so we see different properties at a lot of different stages. But here I'm speaking to 
the more the veteran in this comment is like, there are a lot of stands that you don't ever set that you don't really mm-hmm. even think about anymore, uh, but are there in case or um, or you're the veteran landowner who tries to go everywhere and you still yeah. haven't figured out the farm and you still haven't figured out the fact that like you're you're going after the deer. Yeah. Every deer that I've shot, every deer that you've shot, Brady, and every deer that well, I shouldn't say that. Everyone listening, <laughs> they they have they have probably four legs. Some may have three, yeah. right? Some some may have had an accident, yeah. but they have three or four legs. What I'm saying is they're mobile. Like deer yeah. walk, deer move. Absolutely, they use yeah. the landscape, and so stop chasing deer with your sets and having so many that you feel like, oh, I gotta go to them. I go, I go, I'll go to them. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll, I'll push a food plot in there, or I'll dive into there, uh, or I'll do this, or I'll add this resource here, or gosh forbid, it was like, I, I'll go put a feeder here. Um, like the the fact is habitat management, and, and I'm 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 saying that as a whole, as a spectrum here, whether it's bedding, improved bedding, whether it's improved timber understory, whether it's improved mass production, whether it's uh, a food plot for high quality um, forage, all those things are attracting deer. So stop feeling like yes. you have to go to the deer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like yeah. you, in in one breath, you're you're trying to um trying to attract and hold all these deer but but your actions and the strategy strategy suggest other and and it's like we can't you can't do both essentially and so so this process and this criteria that we're tra- that we're trying to if you will describe is at the end of the day to say and, and this is more of a a random number this is not something that in any way, shape, or form we're, we're suggesting or saying that you should only hunt 5% of your farm because every farm is so, so greatly different. So it's literally just a number. But our, you know, 9 out of 10 farms would probably be, you know, 5 to 10% of the farm, you'd kill all these deer. If you just yeah. focused on hunting this these this this amount of acres right within view or Absolutely. within sight or within bow range right five to t- to ten percent of it and and if you don't have through habitat management that distinction of resources on a property then you're gonna feel like you have to chase everything then you have to feel like you're yeah. you're gonna have to go after it. but but when you get a place set up and and this is you know depending on on, on topo- topography and and open nature of a area of a farm. So again, there's some variables here, but on a lot of setups, a lot of farms, if you don't have distinction on the landscape, you're not going to have a defined strategy. And that, but but a, a lot a lot of people have more definition, and, and or the land and the resources give more definition than what they're really perceiving. And they don't have mm-hmm. to go and hunt the whole farm. Yes. Find out the five percent. Weed the ten to twelve stands down to three. Be extra critical of your of your um um of your criteria in which you hunt, and then have the discipline to follow through. And I think that that is that other kick in the pants for a lot of people. Yeah. Is like <laughs> mentally, 
mentally, I I can I can get on board, guys, with the whole like, yeah, good stands, mediocre, mm-hmm. poorish stands, but they're still stands, and I can get in and out. Like I I can I can get on board with that. Like everyone, I, th- I feel like everyone just kind of naturally has that. But yeah, but really, Brady, it's the diligence and the discipline to actually see that through that really begins to fail. I think, I think that's so, yeah, I mean, I, I've been there before, you know, you get Heck out yeah, there a certain deer and you're like, man, I just want to, every day, I just want to go sit. I want to go sit. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you'll push it too much or maybe the weather's not right. Or maybe you're going in the morning when it's early season and you're bumping them out of the food source or something, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you should really be going in the evening. There's so much, so many different, um, so just a list a mile long of things to take into consideration and having that, having that diligence is, is, is key. It's yeah. key. It, 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 I think that's so hard for, for hunters. It I've is. been there. I've been there. It's I've the make or break with every year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. This is not an easy thing. Like it's, yeah. it's not like I can just sit back and say, Oh yeah, just hunt 5% of your farm. Boom. Go uh, de- deploy tactic. Boom. No, it's, it's not, it's 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 really for a lot of people kind of a paradigm shift a a reset of what's the necessary approach and and I tell yeah. this people a lot so if I catch people using this phrase you're welcome yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more important to know when not to hunt than it is to hunt because one hundred percent yeah like those those three to four stands that are just like gangbusters, die hard, perennial, amazing sets, right? You know when they're good. Like you you oh, yeah. you've either got trail cameras set up or or it's strictly just a timing of the year that's like it's on fire. They're moving. Yes. This pinch is awesome. I'm sandwiched between bedding or I'm in bed to food and here's a great resource. Here's the the crops like they have to walk here because of this big drainage like i just slide in thermals are dropping in an evening back mm-hmm. behind me no deer like it's just those everybody Perfect. has those yes but it's the it's the diligence and it's the understanding of knowing when not to go in there and when to yes. go in there that separates um separates continual success um over the opportunistic Boy, that worked out, kind of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and oftentimes it's it's not a product of, or that's not a product of hunting more. It's of hunting less. That's can, a hard one to, know, to wrap your head around. I think we can. I I know for me, but I think we can all think of a few guys kind of like that that uh, um that seem to maybe only hunt just a few days out of the year, but always seem to to you know shoot shoot the buck that they're after yeah um yeah i think of one of my good buddies he's like that i mean every buck he's shot over the past few years he's only hunted like three or four days and and i'm like man don't you ever get tired of not hunting you know yeah like yeah don't you want a little bit more season but but he has the diligence you know i'll text him i'll say you plan on hunting today and he's like no the you know 
whatever is is just not exactly the, right. The so, dew point so, isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But but what he's figured out are those spots. You know, yeah. he's figured out those spots on his farm that that he can say, okay, when this, when everything is just right, I know I can go in here and kill one of my mature bucks within a day or two. You know. Yeah. I. Um, and, I love, I love like that, that chase, that pursuit, the pursuit's yes. really fun. Um, yep. but what we start this whole podcast with is like time and readiness and preparedness, yes. right? Like you don't have to, it, it's to me, it's kind of like shooting, um, or, or having the chance of shooting more older age class deer, um, the, the, the easiest thing to do is not shoot younger deer, right? Yeah. Pretty stinking easy to, to uh, start, start there and, and you'll see some success. Um, similar to like that whole like pursuit side of things is like, um, one of the, one of the best ways to, to be, um, more, more successful in, in the amount of time spent versus the amount of time harvesting is to be very calculated on when you hunt and when you don't hunt, but but then you've narrowed it down to these two to three, maybe four locations on the farm. The mature deer that are on this at some point in season will begin to utilize that. Um, and yes. if they if they're yeah. not utilizing it, and and core area is offset from there. Um, but I know in late October they're going to do it because there's you know maybe maybe again it's 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 the topography and it's the bedding and it's a grape scrape line they're gonna start mm-hmm. walking it then just wait literally then then, yeah. then then just wait till that time frame keep it super low pressure and go in but right that that takes the added amount of discipline um on top of the hunting strategy they have to work together like yeah. They have to work seamlessly together. And, and I think that, like, it's kind of like a relationship of um, habitat management to terrain and topography. You can have some great habitat, um, but but if you're not, if it, if it's in the wrong places, um, deer aren't going to utilize it as much if you didn't base it off of the way deer yeah. work within terrain. Well, kind of the same thing here. Like, these things, like, they, they're connected. Um, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's true. I mean, you could have you could have the best farm out there, the best habitat on the ground, but wildlife are going to use every piece of that property different. You yes. know, they're going to have areas that they congregate in during one time of the year a little bit more, and then another time of the year they're going to they're going to move to that area. Yeah. So I, I think that's it's it's very key to um, to key in on those areas. Yes, you know. And and your better habitat, you know, right there around, you know, maybe those those five percent. I'm not saying only focus on those areas, but really make sure that those areas are above par. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, I think this is the this is the most important aspect of the whole podcast conversation is once you once you figure out what those areas are that's when you do that much more or you perfect mm-hmm. that much more of the of the yeah. uh of the habitat manipulation right so 
you you find those areas of the farm where it's it's a high traffic but it's a weak spot like it's a vulnerable spot yeah. for deer which mm-hmm. which then makes it a very um accessible location for a hunter so deer are vulnerable here and they have to use it quite a bit but but I want them to use it more okay let's do habitat management let's yeah. let's make this like a good spot let's make it great let's make this yes. from a a routinely traveled to boy they always travel it and especially at this time of the year because of the resources that we've built around this area on either side of this area in conjunction with this area yes. that yeah. is what we're talking about um and so even even like with with consultations or or management plans like as we're developing we're going to address the whole farm like we're going to address oh, all of it yeah 100 percent. yes like, i can promise you most times after leaving a property, um, if there are those spots on a farm, make it very known to the clients. Like, I'm just telling you, when you do X on this farm and those resources are in place, this is the spot that you're going to kill deer. It's mm-hmm. this one or it's that one. But these are those, these, the creme de la creme, right? These are exactly yes. what you want <clears throat> to be focusing on envisioning from a hunting standpoint it's got the makings it's got the the variables it's got the controllable factors it's got the access it's got it all all you have to do is literally treat it right here's the silver platter it's being handed to you control those variables that you can control and be diligent be disciplined and it will be a producer for you yes yeah and that goes back. That goes, I mean, I think of most of the the landowners that we deal with. They they they're a non-resident or or they're not living on the farm. Yeah. So they're traveling to that farm. So when you're going to do, you already have a limited amount of time to get there, do the habitat work necessary. Um, obviously, you want the whole farm to be the best, but those areas that you're really going to focus on, you know, maybe when you go. Every time you go to the farm, make sure you hit those, do something in those areas to improve it. Yeah. And then, you know, the other areas you can, you know, kind of um, come back to maybe a little longer duration, you know. Yeah. But make sure those areas you you, you focus in on, on your prime, your prime areas to, to increase success. I mean, because you think about most of the landowners we're, we're working with, they they want that that success that's what's mm. driving them yeah so it, put your work put your work into that for sure and and you know just as important to you know say that that harvest that pinnacle type moment that we're talking about as seasons beginning to ramp up like yeah yes like a a older age class male deer um that trophy that we're all seeking is that pinnacle moment and that's that's really mm-hmm. what the podcast is about. Um, that that we're talking like that that five percent is just like focus there for that in, for that purpose. Yeah. But 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 in the same time frame, in the same breath, I don't want someone to say, well, what about shooting does? Um, yes, you still need to shoot does. Yes, 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 yes. Like herd management is how you mm-hmm. have better trophy deer. Um, yeah. So so it's a hundred percent necessary to do that. But what we're saying is an aspect or a function of um, discipline hunting is, is, is herd management, but doing it in the right places. And I'm not, 
honestly, I got laughed at this week. Um, I was working in central Missouri. They're like, okay, talk to me about does. We have a lot of does and we see a lot of does all the time. Like when's the best time to harvest them? I said, when they're broadside in 20 yards, yeah. any other time, <laughs> exactly. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like they started laughing. Like I'm, I'm serious. Like it, it, if you're, if you're talking to me and it's that many deer that you're having, that you're seeing start dropping numbers. It odds will, are you're not, odds are you're not going to be able to kill enough. Yes. You know, in most cases. Yes. So those cases. opportunities are opportunities to capitalize on. Um, yes. But again, make sure you're doing that in the in the probably the, the less harmful locations or the less fragile yeah. type locations on the farm. But at the same time frame, I think everyone understands that we're like, that's a, a little subset category of this greater conversation. Um, that you, the the whole what we're saying is you don't have to hunt the entire farm to be successful. You don't have to push yeah. in everywhere to be successful. You don't have to have a stand on every ridge or on every fence crossing to be successful. You can find success in a minimalistic approach if the minimalistic approach is approaching those right areas, right? You yes. can't just say, oh, I, Matt said, Brady said to have two to three stands out here, so... I'm just going to hunt these two. No, it has to be the right ones. Exactly. But be yeah, firm I mean, on that every, criteria. Every property is a little bit different. Some may have more, some may have less. Yeah, you for know? sure. I mean, I mean, it just depends on, the. you know, there's so many factors. Terrain, you know, water, how much, how many creeks you have running through the property, food, even the surrounding properties. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of go back to the, the property I was talking about earlier that I hunt. I've been hunting it for about five years the landowners owned it probably going on 10. Yeah. Every deer that's been shot off that property has been killed in three stands, 380 acres. Yeah. Almost, almost 10 to 15 deer have been killed in three, three stands. And that's not, that's not, that's not three, four year old deer. That's five plus year old deer. Yeah. Like, There are those locations that when you find them, you just, you know, you found them and then you Mm -hmm. walk away with a smile on your face and say, it's just a matter of time, but I'm going to do X, X and X around this area to improve it. But it's just a matter of time before it's going to happen. And man, those are the areas we want to find we want to have success within stop chasing deer and let them walk, let them move and let them do it during daylight hours. That's the whole thing of this. Like you start going to all these places, you start pushing in, you start not realizing where deer are bedded out because you don't have consistency Mm -hmm. in, in your habitat or you don't have distinction in your habitat. You start bumping deer and they start getting a little, little leery of things. Um, and, and now you don't have as deer walking around and, uh, and daylight hours as much. Um, that's like all of, it's just like a trickle down uh, impact here. So at, at the end of the day, like be super diligent about what you do and realize that you don't have to cover the whole farm to have a very good hunting strategy 
I think yes. the best hunting strategy is the minimal minimal approach with discipline attached to that minimal approach. Um, it's not about the number of sets, not about our setting. It's about being in the right places at the right time. Sometimes you can be lucky and be there, but other times, and I think everyone listening to this podcast is of the same mindset when it comes to strategy and when it comes to planning, we plan for this. We don't want to, yeah. not, not that it's wrong to accidentally have success, but, but we're talking about creating plans. We're talking about having objectives and creating and designing things to achieve those objectives. So like this is not accidental, it's intentional, but if you want it to be, um, uh, frequent you want that that intentionality mm-hmm. to be uh of success to be frequent then you're gonna have to be diligent and be in the right places and build quality habitat around those right places absolutely absolutely yep you got any other thing to add here brady before we wrap her up no i i just you know i have to I was thinking about when you, you were talking about those aha moments, some of the properties we've walked. Yeah. And then, you know, when we get to those areas, you're like, man, I just right here. That's and the it. landowner's just, the landowner's just kind of looking at you. And, and then you start, you start, exp- we start explaining why, you know, mm-hmm. what factors we're talking about. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, like the yeah. farm we were on in Northern Missouri that one time from a, from an aerial map, you're like, man, you know, there's probably quite a few stands that you yeah. can hunt on this property. Yep. But when we got to the property, you essentially could only hunt about three spots on the whole property just because of erosion. That's all, all, all you could. Enormous amounts of erosion. All you could and all you needed to. Uh, that's all you needed to. I mean, yep. any any deer walking on that property would have had to have walked in front of two or three of those stands. Yep. And and it's then the, you explain that to the landowner. He's just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, yep. and. <clears throat> Which they've had luck on the property, but then but then you talk to him, you're like, well, where are most of your deer moving through? And he's like, you know, down there or right over in that area is where we see them. It's like, okay, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, you know, just get out there, get boots on the ground, and really hone in on those, those above par areas. And maybe it's getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, I oh, have stands sure. that I thoroughly enjoy sitting on why because i see a lot of deer maybe i can see for a long ways um i may you know probably not stands that i've had the best luck in mm-hmm. i enjoy hunting them so um it's hard for me and i know probably others are like man i've been hunting that stand for five years it's always good sits but i've never shot a deer out of it i don't really want to move yeah. but maybe just moving 100 yards in either direction or down the ridge or up the ridge a little bit maybe the difference in maybe the difference in shooting a mature buck every year yep or you know seeing those mature bucks more in daylight yeah <clears throat> yeah or or you feel like you know you've got a good set but it's not it's not it's not perfect do some yes. habitat manipulation edge feathering bedding thickets yes like tsi like you, you there's a lot that you can do to manipulate it farther absolutely uh, absolutely like you're spot on brady um, but I, 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 I hope this podcast rings true for a lot of people, uh, as they're considering opening days. Um, if, if you're not already open, like what you do, where you go, 
when you go. Um, remember, it's it's more important to know when not to go than when to go. Yes. Everyone can yep. everyone can look at the weather and be like, "That's going to be a good day." It's all those mm-hmm. other days. Um, so so just hopefully this 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 message hits you at the right time frame um, to get your mindset for this season ahead uh, for that approach and allows you to begin developing and begin to have that criteria and stick to the criteria of, um, man, where am I going? How should I be setting up here? What are these top three to four stands? Um, Where where are these producers at and how do I make them better? And then just kind of hang back, stay out. Yes. Um, going going into to twenty twenty three, but I just I wish everyone uh, the best and and obviously be super safe um, out there this year. Make make wise decisions. Make other hunters look really good with those decisions that you that you make. Um, yes. Shot opportunities, shots taken. Way we're engaging with everybody else out there. Um, let's be let's be awesome. Let's be respectful and. Best best of wishes, guys um, and gals out there ready to just conquer the world and shoot some big deer. going to be a great year. I, I think gonna so. going to be a great year. I think so. Um, another quick note, I think I talked about it last week or the week before. Inquiries for 2024 are steady coming through uh, for consulting options um so if you guys are interested don't miss those opportunities um go to landlegacy.tv click on the consulting tab and you'll find an email submission form send us all that information um, that's requested there and we will get with you to talk about consulting what that looks like to have one of land legacy consultants come and work with you to develop that site specific plan uh, for your property and and cover with detail things that we talked about today, um, things that you know the the, the approach that we have uh, in, in regards to hunting strategy. So, um, Brady, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. I love it. I love it. Always a pleasure to come on. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. Well, have a good evening, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you here next week. <laughs>